Is this good theme music? Is it good theme music? Welcome. We are live across the country for our first live broadcast of Free College sponsored by the Heckinger Report. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I didn't think they heard you. We are worldwide. People in Arkansas, in Alaska, what's another state with an A? Alabama, they are listening to us live for our edition of Free College Sponsored by the Hackinger Report. Boom, that's what I'm talking about. You know, um, by the title of my show, Free College, you should know what I'm about. I literally got so excited about my opportunity to address our inability to find a funding mechanism for TOPS, our state merit scholarship program, that I went in my closet and I found my Ph.D. row, right? And it's amazing what this robe can do in terms of providing a household, having a safe place to live, having health care. All of these things come with this robe that looks like, you know, if people always forget that the first higher ed institutions actually were monasteries, so yeah, we look like preachers. I would never consider myself a preacher, by the way. But you're supposed to laugh at that. There you go. But, but the point is, this robe doesn't necessarily guarantee you um, middle, a middle-class life, but without it, it is very hard to have a middle-class lifestyle. And so I was very um, passionate about getting involved in this issue that I asked um, some of uh, my colleagues at Heckinger Report, can I do something? And they said, well, what do we need in Louisiana? I said, well, the real need, we have a lot of adults that are engaged in this issue. But one of my favorite quotes in all of education is, education not preparation for life, education is life itself. Which, which translates for me that what we do in the here and now matters. And so you're getting an education by engaging in a political process by writing a simple letter. It's one of the most basic forms of political engagement that you can entertain. And so I'm asked, and I'm going to actually bring up our first reader, Dominique Newton, first-year student at Xavier and, and grad of, uh, uh, grad of Car- uh, Carver Collegiate, to, to, and she needs some theme music. Hold on, hold on. Step, step back, Dominique. Step back. Uh, uh. Woo! There we go. To read her letter to some of these politicians. Go for it, Dominique. Dear Governor Edwards, Senator Morris, and Representative Landry, I would like to first say thank you for having me here today. My name is Dominique Newton, and I am a freshman at Xavier University of Louisiana. I started high school not knowing what I wanted to do in my future, but I was sure of one thing. I knew I was going to college no matter what. After leaving New Orleans due to Katrina, me and my siblings moved to Shreveport, 
Newport, Louisiana, where we suffered a great deal. My family and I went through a lot of hardships. I even failed the seventh grade because I was missing too many days home. I didn't let this get me down, though. Once I turned 16, I contacted my father and my struggle didn't cease there. I soon discovered my father was diagnosed with lung, lung, lung disease, and he had to be on dialysis. Education was the only way for me to help my family. Once we moved back and I attended George Washington Carver High School, I first introduced, was first introduced to the top. I knew that the fund wouldn't cover my whole financial aid bill, but I knew I would help. it would help with the scholarship. At my old school, they weren't close with the students, and the teachers seemed to not care. I was at a school they cared not only about me, but my family's issues. Soon, my life revolved around getting a 20 or higher on my ACT. And in my junior year, I pulled off the 20. I was excited for myself. I was excited for myself and my other classmates, who also passed the course. Once I graduated as valedictorian, I knew I would be able to pay for scholarship, and Top were going to help often. I planned on going to LSU, my dream school, but once Top was cut, I no longer could go there. I thought I wouldn't be able to go to college because I had already paid my orientation fees for LSU, and school was about to start in two weeks. My best friend, Imani, told me about Xavier's scholarship, Valedictorian's Valedictorian, so I applied in hopes of getting in. I got in, and the little money Top gave me helped a little. I still had to take out loans and wouldn't have needed that fund. I wouldn't have needed that if the fund wasn't cut. My situation with Top was unexpected, but it was for the best. I love it at my school, but there are students in Louisiana who won't be as lucky as I was. Low-income students don't have the same opportunities as other teens in America, and government assistance is needed. If Top were restored for low-income students, this would help educate children in Louisiana who come from a tough background like my own. Thank you again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The last, the last thing. Last thing. Hold on, put on your rope. Hold on, huh? There you go. Get a feel for that. Get a feel for that. If tops were restored for low-income students, this would help educate children in Louisiana who come from a tough background like my own. Thank you for having me, Steve. Very good. Now, at this time, I would like to bring up John Nicolo of UNO, president of UNO, Paris Wood, uh, um, executive director of College Beyond, Vincent Rothmeyer of the Cowan Institute, and James, James Dabney of College Track and Ben Cleveland, school board member. Can I get make sure I get the, the mic on? I'm going to first start off um, with a question just for Vincent um, Rothmeyer of the Cowan Institute. Um, I just want to ha have our audience know, um, you know, give us the lay of the land. Where are we in terms of top? Um, what are some of the base building blocks we need to know in terms of, of where we are 
terms of funding and how and, and how many students are covered what I'm um, so basically, COTS has been around for around years, um, and it, it has a number of students who have been expanded over time. And we're now their budget crisis. The budget that last year provided but they decided the way they cut it um, was that instead of Feeding, um, total funding for top percent um, fell in a way that um, it was separated people spring semester came back and only received about forty percent total uh, for their knowledge that they would have received uh, the program. Now I'm gonna um, go to John. I just want some very basic uh, how does that impact a, a, a campus? And I know you did some a pretty amazing things um, in terms of ensuring uh, that. But how does a reduction of that amount impact uh, a college campus? A reduction of that amount uh, directly impacts students. Um, for some students, affluent students in particular, that may be. Happy, but the impact minimal. For a lot of others, and frankly, most that reduction, they will not be able to. Think. They may need to stop out. They may need to work part time, um, or go to another state that that may offer them. Um, so I've been talking an awful lot about how many of our adult population have. Uh, I don't know if you realize. Louisiana is 48 states, 48 educational uh, and I believe with top production, spot lowest. So that, that's a scary. Um, things we've done uh, this spring to help our students is, is a lot of education. Uh, but we required any student, any any sort of aid, scholarship, um, any sort of assistance, fill out a pass. And by doing that, we took advantage of additional federal money um, that were available to students. And um, that money, all of all of our offsets, uh, Now, I, I wanted to stay with you. Um, now, I, that's not sustainable. My, that is it. I mean, yes to no. It is absolutely not. Yeah, and and so um, one of the things that I'm interested in many folks know. I was a professor and for a, over a decade um, there's been since a decade um, is there a point where you say you have to um, for yourself it is a political that is relevant so if we go back uh, for Budget cuts higher than I did not mix those numbers. 16 and nine years. So when you have that kind of repeated budget cut uh, to higher ed, uh, to our operating budget, what that means is that the majority of costs, which 
tuition, primary source of our operating But then as top producers, think about the number of students also both sides of our budgets are reduced. What it means is it's becoming harder and harder for our education to operate, do what we're trying to do is we're generating graduates that promote economic prosperity in our community. I want to go to Jane Dabney, who um, worked with College Track, and they and I and I and I'm board chair for College Track. Um, now, well, the goal is to make sure that students um, don't have a lot, or if anything, pay out of pocket to go to college. How does this impact your work at the top? day-to-day. If you do everything that's asked, we will have a route of the college. How do you feel about making that kind of environment? Well, I, I, I already feel like making that kind of claim has uh, daunting. Because, you know, nationally, we know only one in, about one in ten low-income student, college students in our country will graduate. So the statistics are uphill battle. Um, many of us room education high school level, fighting that battle as hard as we can, but also not just about the high school. Last week, not just about the high schools preparing for college, uh, and we've seen dramatic growth in the world, but it's also what happens once those students get to college. And do they receive the supports they need to continue through the graduation? TOPS is an absolutely critical uh, support for students to make sure they have the financial means necessary to get through. We're talking about students who work multiple jobs, right, just to, just to pay their bills. We, we're talking about students who, you know, studies show, you know, this better than me, Dr. Perry, are literally, literally living in uh, homelessness or are unable to access, like, sufficient food 
keep themselves going. I mean, these are like desperate times. These are students who are still persisting, still persevering. The least we could do as a state make sure that they don't have to worry about that, about that financial bill for their tuition in that college. Um, and so we're all very passionate about this for our, uh, for our, for our students, uh, especially for the, the most disadvantaged youth in our city to make sure they have that access. Yeah, um, you can give that man a round of applause. If someone asks what station you listen to, tell them you listen to yes, the People um, Station. With College Beyond, you provide services for so that students are supported when they get into college. Um, how does the current uh, policy environment impact your work? What are you doing to support students on college campus? Thank you. Um, I actually brought a couple letters, just so you know, from some of our college students. Oh, um, who are either in class right now or who are working. Um, and so that has been one of the challenges we work really closely to address. Um, college Beyond partners with the university to make sure that that first year in particular when students are transitioning academically and financially and socially to what college means, um, make sure that those students are successful in their first year and have the skills that they need to continue um, in college. And so one of the flags for when a student may struggle more than others is if they are working um, particularly more than 12 hours per week. Um, all of the students whose letters are brought here are working more than that. And these are top recipients um, who are supplementing uh, the costs of their financial aid uh, packages through additional work, so for their books, so for additional tuition. Um, and so we have a fabulous coaching staff who helps us to set up what does what your weekly schedule need to look like? What does your study time need to look like? Um, how often should you be talking to an advisor? Um, how do you talk to a financial aid counselor so that you can manage the tremendous responsibility um, of being a college student? Uh, John Nicholas, we, um, I talk a lot on my show about the real purpose of higher education. Um, how this, from a, a broad perspective, um, how does this impact your ability, which in, 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 in my estimation is to serve the city of New Orleans? New Orleans is in your name, and I'm going to also uh, uh, ask Ben to, to chime on this. Um, we have one of the highest um, poverty rates in the country. Um, and our, our tuition should not be a barrier from you getting smarter, from you getting this, these degrees. For me, it's a, UNL's mission is to serve low-income students. So I, I, I'm just interested in how you perceive this policy environment um, impacting your ability to actually deliver what you're supposed to deliver. I think it's very simple. Uh, I can't serve my community. And the university's, one of our fundamental missions is to serve our community because it ultimately education again promotes economic prosperity. I don't know of a strong metropolitan area or city without a strong public uh, institution. That's right. uh, and that is the University of New Orleans. So if we can't serve our community, uh, where, where does that leave all of you? Now, um, Ben, you also serve in a low-income district. Um, you know, I've always felt that this, um, the changes to TOPS disproportionately impact New Orleans, Shreveport, 
Batman. Um, can you just talk in broad terms about discrimination as um, if we're talking about low income um, uh, uh, policies that impact the ability of low income students to get to college? Those cities with low income students are going to be disproportionately impacted. Is it not? So, can you just talk in terms of how you are feeling in terms of advocating for the city to, um, to, to participate in higher education? Yeah, so then I just want to say up front, this is not just impacting uh, New Orleans. Yep. I, mean, I, just want, I just want to reiterate that. This is impacting our whole state. We have a lot of low-income people in the state living in every single parish. Um, we also have a lot of people who um, may not be quote-unquote low-income in terms of like eligible for a Pell Grant or, or, or whatnot, but are still barely making enough money to be able to afford much supplemental cost in terms of college on top of the household. Um, I, you know, I think this is a classic case of the difference between what's equal and what's equitable. Um, the, the legislature last year when they cut tops said, well, we're just going to do an equal cut. We're just going to make sure, you know, yeah. well, if it's pro-rata, not enough money, so everyone, everyone can take the same cut, no matter what your situation is. Well, on the face of it, I guess, that may seem like that's fair or equal. But the reality is the impact is not, right? The impact is not equal. The impact is someone who only has a household income uh, in their, from their parents or their mother is $30,000. You take a $2,000 cut to their annual uh, college bill, and that's devastating. Uh, literally the difference between being able to stay in college or not. I had students, you know, alumni from our high school come when I was operating on who were crowdfunding. The minute Tops got cut, were crowdfunding to try to make up the gap. Just like hustling. Right? It just, right. there's no other way, right? But yet, at the same time, 40% of Tops recipients come from households of $100,000 or more in the so, so this is what I, and this is what I, I write about, about. This is about middle, upper middle class people paying their opportunity forward, in my mind, because uh, the state budget crisis didn't stop my daughter from going to, to college or grad school. It, it did not. And this is the, and this is the harsh political reality. Those who can pay will in higher education. People don't play around. So for me, it's always been. Um, you know, somebody has to bite the bullet. Someone needs to bite, and that's why we got to prioritize funding for low-income students. Isn't that right? Yeah. Exactly. I want to go to Vincent um, very briefly. This budget crisis isn't going away, right? So, can you just remind us of, because some of the, um, the the revenue that's generated is actually temporary revenue, um, temporary tax increase. Increases. Um, can you just give us a lay of land of, you know, what are we hoping for in terms of best case scenario to even have, uh, to, to, to not lose more funding for, for top, uh, top? Well, as she said, um, many of the temporary taxes that were put in place a few years ago to help address this the budget crisis are going away. Um, but, you know, part of the work of the Louisiana Health Access Coalition is we're really pushing for full funding. And then if that's not possible, we want 
equitable access to opportunities, which is prioritizing low-income students to receive TOPS funding, which is also how this program was initially structured, was that TOPS, when it began, prioritized those students. And so that's what we're hoping happens in this session. If we can't fully fund TOPS, even though that is the ideal situation, then we would like to see low-income students. And there's legislation on the table. Yes. I was just reminded. Let's talk about the bill. Can you continue? There's going to be legislation that's introduced or has already been introduced that addresses some of these things. Can you let the viewing audience know about this bill? Yes. So we're really fortunate to have the leadership of Representative Carter. Introduce a measure that says essentially what I just said, which is if TOPS funding is – if TOPS cannot be fully funded, then we're going to prioritize low-income students and also extremely high achievers, students with a 30 ACT score or above, to make sure that part of the intention of TOPS is to keep the best and the brightest in the state. And it's incredibly short-sighted, I think, both for the state and from an economic perspective to think that – to not provide students with this type of funding when it's in the long-term interest not only of the students but the state as a whole to have really well-educated people living here. Now, I just want to go around for the last – we only have a few minutes left. How do we encourage students? Now, what are the words that you use to empower students in this time of budgetary uncertainty? We'll start with you, James. What I always tell students is that you're not Congress. There's always – you don't pass them with a vacancy. So there's this narrative around low-income families that the TOPS program or any type of entitlement programs that you are just a recipient of, but your parents are taxpayers. So you get invested in this because you have a white children. And I am a recipient of TOPS. I didn't call it TOPS back then. I don't know what it's going to be called TOPS back then. But I'm a first-generation high school graduate from New Orleans, but I wanted to do my Ph.D. So I didn't have a 30 on the ACT. I couldn't get – I got a 19 or whatever. But so I don't think that the ACT is a qualifier to say that I'm worthy or deserving of this. But again, I went to Southern. I went to – That's right. I got my doctorate at Ohio State, but I have a 19 ACT. So be mindful that you have agency and you are powerfully intellectual. So therefore, don't let the ACT or anything make you feel like you're not deserving. First of all, you have agency in it because your parents have been generally voting. And so your agency can have your parents call the state and fight for it. Don't think that you're waiting for someone to give you a handout. You paid for this. Now I'm just going to ask Paris and John to close out for the time we have with the students. So Paris, same question. How do you encourage students in this state of budgetary uncertainty? Sure. Two quick things. First thing is to continue to work hard. You all have done what is required to earn costs, and you earned it regardless of whether it exists or not. Your grades, what you do in high school matters, and you can go to college. So regardless of sort of whether you know where the money is coming from, you can do it and reach out for help. Thank you. 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 Thank you
for folks who know how to help you. The second thing, really quickly, is to advocate for yourself. Your voice matters. You can call your legislators, anyone in this state. Um, your voice, you have a right to be heard, and I would encourage you to speak up for yourself before you do the only thing I think I would add is uh, we want to work with our students to make sure they're educated about the facts. Um, <laughs> there's some estimates that uh, there were three billion dollars of Pell money left on the table nationwide last year. Uh, the Cowan Institute I think had a number around 44 million from Louisiana. What that means to our, our, our state, our students is they need to file a FAFSA, a free application for federal student aid. They need to file that. Uh, in fact, I'd like to see that part of, of, of the bill uh, requirement. Uh, we're not taking advantage of all that money that, that, that can help offset some of these uh, costs. Yes, uh, Representative Carter is just arrived in the building. Yes, they have
I felt betrayed by the state of Louisiana. I support one of the Cohen Institute's recommendations of instituting a sliding scale. If legislators want to ensure all students can remain eligible for the program, regardless of income, I recommend that the state create a means-tested sliding scale that offers students scholarship support based on their family income. All students, regardless of family income, could still qualify for TOPS, but the amount of award would vary. Students coming from families with lower income would receive larger rewards than students from families with higher incomes. When Mr. Patrick Taylor conceived the plan in 1988 and the state
to pass legislation that was introduced by Representative Carter that will make TOPS sustainable. So let's make sure everybody hears that.
This is the goal of, of colleges and universities, to not only provide individual prosperity, but to ensure that a state can deliver for all of its citizens if it does not prioritize for those who are not in high income, then what the heck are we doing? Right? Oh, my, see, I started getting on the soapbox, I'm sorry. Alan, how you feeling? Uh, but it looks like I know, it looks like I know where you're going. Is that? Uh, not good about it, honestly. Yeah. Not good. I, this actually is not representative of where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> I actually plan on going to a university in New Orleans. But as for the situation, where very good. As for the situation, yeah. I am very unhappy with it. Uh, as for me, I don't. Other than getting scholarships, I scholarships and grants, I don't have a way to pay it. So yeah, I kind of <laughs> I mean, so what what do you think happens for students in your position? What do they end up doing? Uh, you either get a job, like you said, work nine to five. Uh, you can fill up a lot of scholarship forms. You can apply for grants and all you can, and then just pray. Wow. Kayla, what are your goals? Where are you planning to attend? Well, honestly, I don't know anymore because it's, it's so hard to pay for it. And uh, I, I thought about going to UL and going into production. So um, that was my goal, but I don't know if I would be able to go to UL. And UL is one of the cheapest schools, but it's still pretty expensive. But um, my family, my mom is a single parent. And every month she makes a little over 3000 but once you pay a thousand dollar rent and then you pay different bills and I mean it's kind of cut low, so I don't have nothing of choices. Oh yeah, I mean guess what? Uh UL the UL probably seven, seven, eight thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, right? So it's twice the monthly what your what your mother makes money. Right. I mean that's significant. You should not have to. Um, well, let me just say it this way. Going to college should not make you poorer, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can talk about that. <laughs> so, I mean, but, okay, but this is the thing. I'm going to push back on it. Um, if you don't, you think college is expensive now, it's probably not going to college. Right? So, you know, this, this is some hard choices you got to make. Um, so, this is, this is, Talk with me. Uh, so you're really considering not going to school? Oh no, I'm definitely okay. going to school. <laughs> okay, good. But I'm gonna have to be put in a box because I'm gonna have to get a job and I have to get every grant or you know any other assistance when I could have just got a tops and you know two other ones, but now I have to pull my hair. And also with senior year, that's already stressful. And then on top of everything in senior year. I'm going to have to also put my hair to just to get into college. Well, I want this for all of you. Because um, I hear this all the time. <laughs> Students say, I'm going to have to work. What do you think that means in terms of your chance of graduating? I, I just want to hear. When people, when you hear somebody say, I got to work, what does that mean? College? Yeah, graduate from college. So. You're saying I have to work in college. Yeah, you know, some people will say, I can't afford this. I have to work. I have to work 20 hours. I have to, so, um, you know, what do you hear when a student says that? 
Well, my mom actually had to do a work study program and uh, like okay. two other jobs when she was in college, she went to Xavier. So, you know, when she worked, like she said she had to be very dedicated, very focused because, you know, that's a lot of time you get distracted, so, you know, you have to pull longer hours, you might study later, wake up earlier. So, you know, that's a lot of time. But, you know, if I had to work, like during college, I feel like it would be, you know, similar. I would have to be focused and devote more time to, um, you know, actually doing that. So, who else? Honestly, I think that we're, we're unknowingly creating a caste system where if you're poor, you're oh. staying in the same area all the time because you can't go back. You just can't go back. So you're always going to be in the same area. People are always going to be up there and they're going to go to college and finish and get those higher paying jobs while people who make less money are going to stay right in the same area. You sound like you need my job. You want to <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I thought it was crazy. I read something that said that 41% of recipients make 100000 more. Perfect. But the average cost, I'm sorry, the average income of an American is 55000 yeah. So majority of the people getting these grants have the money to pay for us. And they have the luxury to not pay We all know this. The data um, are clear on this. As soon as you take a job, particularly those off campus, your chances for graduation drops significantly. And so if we are caught in um, a, a very tough situation where some people do have to work. I mean, homelessness in college is real. There's lots of new data out there on that. Hunger in college is real. So I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna go back to one of the questions that asked the adults. You know, how are you encouraging your colleagues, your fellow students, uh, to push to fight? What, is, what are you saying to the students um, when they're struggling and they're saying, I don't know if I can go to college; it's too expensive, and I'll, I'll go to the rent. What, what will you say to them? What do you say to your family? I have to go. I don't have 
the option as well. I had to go ahead and graduate in four years because the scholarship that they gave me, if I don't work, I mean, if I don't go to school for 15 credit hours every year, then they take the scholarship, I won't be able to go to school anymore. Now, now this is what Alex, I want you to feed off of that. So when you write your letter to your state rep, your state senator, I want to hear um, that I have to go to college. This is not an option. Um, can you project a little bit of that? Because, you know, we, we have a, a state rep here. Um, what do you say to an elected official that is considering voting on potential legislation to shape, make stop, top, sustainable, and prioritize the low income students? So for me, honestly, it's I I have to go to college. If I don't go to college, what else am I going to do with my life? How am I going to push past? Uh, how am I going to do the things that I want to do without having to do backbreaking labor? How am I going to do anything remotely interesting, remotely fun in my life? Without it, honestly. Um, Ops is a very, uh, sorry, Ops is a very harsh or a very big chunk of something that could go towards my education. Because this, like I said uh, earlier, this is not about saving, I mean, we use these save tops, protect tops. This is about you. <laughs> I mean, this is like um, what we're saving is not some um, inanimate policy. These are living, breathing people who deserve a chance. I want to. I argue. I want you to argue with some of my colleagues because every time I talk about prioritizing tops, I get the call from my bougie friends, <laughs> and they say, "Oh, Andre, it's hard for all of us." to pay for college. I'm like, dude, if it's hard for us to pay for college, what about the the, the, the woman who's working in the hotel, flipping bed? What about the person working in the grocery store? Do you think it's hard for us? I, I want to uh, let you wax poetic, talk a little bit about my bougie friends. What do you say to upper middle class people who say they can't afford college? What do you say to them? I'll, I'll go to Caleb on that. Okay, well, um, like you said, you know, it, it, it's obviously harder for a low income person to. Um, it's not obvious to some people. Well, true. Um, I would say that you have to walk in somebody else's shoes. Mm. You can't automatically judge or get upset with someone else because of their view on how they're living. Because you you don't go through that. You you don't take what people say. You don't wonder how they're going to get paid. You you don't wonder how you're going to feed your children. You don't you, that that's not something for you. And you have money set aside every month that you can put aside and say, okay, I'm going to let this build up every year. That will let my child go to college. No Hindu families do not have that opportunity to do it. Or you want to add on to that? You can talk about my baby friends. They need to be talked about. Because let me be, let me be clear. 
The opposition to this isn't from poor people. Yeah. Like, poor people aren't telling their state rep or state senator to change. Uh, I mean, it's wealthy people who say, no, cops need to stay the same. Now, so what do you say um, to those who, you know, who will say that? Recently in um, civics class, we were talking about taxes. Mm. And I forgot which type of tax it was, but it was like the poor pays 10000 and the rich pay 10000 But the 10000 for the poor oh, is way more detrimental than 10000 for the rich. So I'm saying that... It's a larger percentage of their total So it's like if, if you know, you won't, you're not affected as much as someone who doesn't have a lot. So, like, like he said, with lower income, you you have different issues. How are you going to feed your family? How are you going to uh, put your child in school? They don't have the they don't have those. Um, they have they have issues, but they're not as you know detrimental. They might be talking about how they could start a business or something. They're not talking about how I have to feed my family and how am I going to do that. It's not as you know to the heart as it may be. I want to tag on what he said. Um, the, the state is going through a crisis when it comes to uh, the economics, but you can't take you can't take as much taxes from a person who makes seven twenty five an hour as you can with someone who makes twenty. So honestly, funding tops more would help them in the long run because these are students who are going to go to college, Absolutely. finish, and make more money for you. Absolutely. I want to thank you guys. One more student reader as we close out. We have Amani Hardy, first year at Xavier.
Yeah. 